Hey there, welcome to Football with Grant Wall. Thanks so much for joining me. Today's interview guest is Matt Turner, goalkeeper for the U.S. men's national team and the New England Revolution. We've had some great guests lately, including Esmeralda Negron and Susie Petricelli, Christine Cupo, and Andy Harper. So check those out. Now, here's my interview with Matt Turner. Our guest now is Matt Turner. He's a goalkeeper for the New England Revolution and the U.S. men's national team in the Gold Cup with the U.S.'s second group game coming against Martinique tonight, Thursday at 10 p.m. Eastern on FS1, Unimas, and Thudayene. Matt, congrats on everything you're doing, and thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks very much, Grant, and and thanks for having me on. Lots to talk about here, but I want to start with the U.S.'s first game, 1-0 win over Haiti. What were your thoughts on the game and how you experienced it? Yeah, I think overall, you know, you take three points any way you can get them. Uh, I, I think as a group, we know that we can do a lot of things in the game a lot better. And uh, and that's that's a good starting point, you know, to be able to not play your best, get three points against a pretty tough, uh, you know, tough CONCACAF opponent. Um, it's, it's a great way to, to kick things off and get this group sort of starting to mesh together because it's. 23 guys that have never been into a camp together. Totally true about that. Uh, you got the start against Haiti uh, over Brad Gazan and Sean Johnson, who are with the team as well. What has U.S. coach Greg Berhalter said to you about this opportunity personally for you and what he wants from you in this Gold Cup? Uh, he hasn't really said anything to me directly in particular. I think uh, the message is clear, though. Um I'm going to have some games to play and and prove myself based off of how I've done uh, with my club in in New England. And uh, and I think the biggest message from him to me, you know, that he's actually said is just be myself. You know, don't try to be somebody I'm not and go out there and, and perform my best the way I know how, because I've been called in for a reason. It's interesting. You're sort of becoming a folk hero of sorts for American soccer hipsters. There was a story about you on the front page of the 538 website a few days ago by John Mueller using advanced data to call you the most valuable soccer player in America. Your your shot-stopping ability in particular has been described as off the charts. We've seen it with our own eyes uh, in MLS. What are the factors, in your opinion, that go into being great at stopping shots? I wish I could tell you, you know, I wish I could give you the uh, the perfect formula. But for me, it's when my mind is the clearest. Uh, I, I stop more shots, I feel like. I, I think I growing up, you know, I didn't I played a bunch of different sports. I saw a bunch of different sort of body positions and game flows and things like that. And I think that all sort of registered in my brain so that when I, you know, started getting into soccer, I started seeing those sort of things and, and not for nothing, you know, in my high school, even in my club soccer days and my college days, I wasn't on a dominant team. You know, I was never on a team that was competing for state championships, playing on national circuit, Uh, I was always on a team that was just a bunch of guys that enjoyed playing soccer, enjoyed going out to the bars and, you know, that sort of soccer culture. And that allowed me to be exposed to a lot more shots, I would say, in a lot of ways, or a lot more circumstances where guys who might be playing at a top academy might not get as much sort of game action. Yeah, their stats and their goals against average and their shutouts might all be really great, but... um, 
you know, I don't know if a lot of goalkeepers get tested the way I was in all different sports sort of growing up. I mean, it's interesting. I did a book a couple of years ago where I kind of went position by position through the craft of soccer. And I had a player for each position who was world class and, and really intelligent at explaining how they go about doing things. And Manuel Neuer was the goalkeeper for a chapter. And we talked a lot about the modern game for goalkeepers and how he's a sweeper keeper. But we also talked about shot stopping. And I guess, you know, I, I know what he told me, but like from your perspective, like when you're a goalkeeper trying to stop shots, like what are like some of the like basics that maybe seem basic to you that aren't maybe to just the average soccer watcher? Yeah, I think it's hard for me to like even really describe because it always sort of came very naturally to me as I'm getting older, I'm starting to see more things and realize I do certain things that can help or hurt in, in certain scenarios. Like I remember the goal against Columbus that Giassi scored on me, you know, I'm looking at the players in front of me and I'm thinking to myself, well, there's no way he can get back across me to my left. So surely if that, if the shot's going to squeak through, it's going to come to my right. So I sort of, I, I was in a great spot and I sort of positioned myself to play for the, my right, my near post. And uh, our defender sort of lunged a little too far and it went through his legs back across. So, but that's like just little learning curves, you know, playing what's presented, um, the relationship that you have with your defenders. So, you know, with Andrew Farrell, with the Revs, I always tell him, you know, stay right or stay left and sort of cut off a piece of the goal, make things a little more predictable for me. But I'd say, you know, technically speaking, I think the biggest the biggest piece would be just to make sure that you're set, you know, make sure that your feet are on the ground when that ball's being struck. Make sure that you're be brave. Make sure your head is forward. If you're diving and you're landing on your back or you're just flinging your legs out, um, you know, you're going to make less saves, in my opinion, than you would if you were forward with your hands forward. Interesting. I I I want to ask you in particular about penalty kicks because this is the summer of tournament soccer with the Euros and Copa America and Gold Cup. And you may well face a fair number of penalties or be in a shootout soon in this tournament. Do you have a method for dealing with penalty kicks? Relax and enjoy. You know, don't try to do too much. This is this is the only time as a goalkeeper, in my opinion, where the pressure is all on the person. He's 12 yards away. He has the whole goal to shoot at. He has to score. He's supposed to score. You know, percentage-wise, he's going to score more times than he's, than he's going to miss. But And he knows that. He knows that he's supposed to. He knows that his whole team is counting on him to, to, uh, to, to score. You know, and, and your job is to save one. So you only need to be 20% successful and you can be a hero. So I'd say it's just relax, and it's the only time as a goalkeeper where you can have some fun with it, and uh, no one really expects anything incredibly amazing from you. It's kind of fascinating to me because Nick Ramondo was always such a great penalty kick saver over the years, and for years and years, he did this to me after the MLS final one year. I, I, he said he had a secret, and and would not literally wouldn't tell me. And then finally, mm -hmm. when he retired, there was an article in the Athletic where Ramonda went into detail for the first time about how he actually looked at the direction the penalty taker was looking when he put the ball down on the ground. Like, is that something that goalkeepers do? Is that like a unique thing to him? Like, how does that work? I think everybody's got their own little thing or their own little wives tale about 
oh, this is the way to do it. And he obviously had great success. And he was always so fun to watch in those moments because he had this aura of confidence about him. And that's another thing, you know, the shooter after a certain number, the shooters are like, oh, God, this guy is, you know, going up against Nick Romando. He you're like, oh, boy, he, he's going to he's probably going to save this or there's a good chance he's going to save this. and I'm going to let my team down, you know, so he sort of grew into that role, I'd say. Uh, and and I, I don't know, I, I, like I said, over the years, somebody, you know, different people have told me different things. Oh, look for this, look for that, look for this, look for that. And for me, I just try to try to relax and, and shut my mind off. Like I was mentioning before and just kind of see, see where my body's taking me. Yeah. We're going to flip back and forth between national team and club stuff here. So I apologize, but like, are, are there any particular players in MLS, presumably forwards whose shots are the hardest to stop? And if there are, why? Hmm. That's going to take a little bit of thought. Let's see. Hmm. I don't really know. I don't, I don't really know. I, I, for me, I, I can't, I can't pinpoint one player. Um, you know, I would say I always feel like I can see the goal against Philadelphia. So I don't know, maybe San, Santos or, or Shabilko just being physically stronger players who have an edge about them and, you know, if you're coming out, they're coming for you. You know, they're, they're not just worried about scoring it. They also kind of want to hit you a little bit. So uh, probably probably those physical, physical players, um, if I had to say one, you know. But overall, I think it, it all depends on, on the moments. And are there any particular goalkeepers in the professional game that you've tried to model your game after? Yes and no. I think my, for me, I've always been like sort of unique in a lot of ways, just my, my background, my uh, <laughs> three years ago, I would say my lack of technical ability re- made me sort of have to play a certain way. And, and now I'm sort of opening that part of my game up more and more every week. Um, but I loved watching Hugo Lloris. Um, and I loved, I loved watching Manuel Neuer, obviously. And I, I always say that Ederson, you know, especially when he first got to the Premier League, he was like must-see TV. Yeah. Every, every time he stepped onto the field, he was either making a save that was incredible or hitting a pass that was just absolutely mind-blowing, you know. And he really, you know, you talk about guys that sort of change the game or change the outlook on what a, the modern goalkeeper should be. You're talking Manuel Neuer for years and now Ederson, Allison, you know, those those type of players, those caliber of goalkeepers. Yeah, we hear a lot about goalkeepers in the so-called modern game and how that requires you to be more than a shot stopper. Where do you think you are on those aspects of the position? Yeah, I think I think it's been a journey. You know, there's been a lot of learning curves here and there for me. I think even in the last game you saw, I got a ball played back to me and, and um they were high pressing us and the guy was able to get a piece of it and knock it back out for a goal kick. I think for me, my, my technical ability has gotten so much better than it was. And now it's about tactically picking the right passes, picking the right moments to play, um, not just playing to play, but to play to break the lines and get, get balls forward and advance the attack. Um, those types of things that I'm learning. And, you know, we don't always do that in New England. So uh, we, it's, it's learning for me here while I'm with the national team and what can I bring from here back to new England to try to work on it, whether it's drills, whether it's a style of play and, and just making sure that I'm taking risks on the training ground whenever I, whenever I can, um, and, and trying to push myself to continue to get better because I do know that I have an ability that's very elite, you know, in the shot stopping. And if I can 
catch up other areas of my game to even a, a fraction of, of that, I can, uh, you know, really make it far. Yeah. I, I, I want to get into your story in a second because it's, it's fascinating sort of how you've gotten to this point. I, I do first, though, want to ask you, how different are the instructions that you get from the Revolution coaching staff at club level compared to the national team coaching staff? I think on a training day, they're, they're different, you know. However, when it comes to a match day, the, the overall message I get is that you're the boss, you know, do what you're comfortable with. Um, you're here for a reason. You're our starter for a reason. Let's, you know, do what you're good at. Don't force things. Don't create problems that aren't there. And, you know, if, if you don't feel comfortable playing one time and you want to kick the ball up the field, that's fine. You know, and Bruce is a big like first 15, 20 minutes, you know. Let's play in the other half. Let's play safe, you know? So um, you got to obviously balance the two things and figure out, you know, because there's a lot of guys on this national team that love to play with the ball at their feet. They want to get the touches. They want to pass the ball around. So you got to kind of feed both and and understand who you're playing with and personality traits and how guys are going to get themselves into the game and those types of things. So you got to sort of weigh everything. But at the end of the day, you're the quarterback, you're the boss. So th- those like are the, those are like pretty much the messages. Yeah. I had Bruce Arena on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. He's always a fun interview. Uh, and he's, he's a lot of things, but even he would say he's not exactly a data guy. Um, mm. Whereas Greg Berhalter is a big data guy. Does that manifest itself in any particular ways with you? Uh, no, I don't think so. Yeah. I don't, I don't really know what, what, what else really to say on that topic. I think for me, obviously, yeah, that's that's polar opposites. But I, I feel like I relate well to, to both coaches, both sti- both styles of coaching and uh, both areas uh, have helped me to get to get better in certain different ways. So there was a terrific article about your personal story in The Athletic by Sam Stasco last week. And for me, it was this total reminder that you can get overlooked a lot and still make it in this sport. How like how old were you when you got started as a goalkeeper in the sport of soccer? Where were you? And, and, and it, it seems like it took, you know, you started at a later age. Yeah, so I joined my, so I played when I was way younger. I didn't love it. Actually, funny enough, I wanted to be a goalkeeper really badly and my coach wouldn't let me. So I quit soccer and started playing football. <laughs> I don't see, this is what I'm saying. Like there was always sort of something in me about, I don't know what it was. Anyways, uh, so I quit soccer, played football, basketball, and baseball. And when I was 14, I was going into high school, and I decided that I um, was going to join soccer again. I went to St. Joseph Regional High School. It's like big-time sports school in, in North Jersey. And I wasn't quite big. I was five foot four, 105 pounds when I got into high school, you know? So I wasn't quite the physical presence on the football field and I, uh, compared to some of the guys that were going there. So it would have been a tough, uh, a tough learning curve for me. And I think I realized that. And so I decided I wanted to do something in the fall because I was going to a new, I was in public school and I was going to private school. I wanted to meet some, meet some new people and stay in shape. And I wasn't going to run cross country. So, uh, I decided to try out for soccer and I'll say like, that's when I put on my gloves really for the first time when I was 14, but I didn't join a club and get a goalkeeper trainer till I was 16. Wow. And were there any things that you had done, even though you got that late start, any things you had done in other sports that you think might have helped you with being a goalkeeper in soccer? Yeah, probably. I think, I think in baseball, um, 
that was my that was my main sport. I like to think I was a pretty good baseball player, but you know, my mom will say I was a pretty good baseball player. So I'll just <laughs> if 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 she said I was a pretty good baseball player, that means I was decent. You know, like she 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 is my my biggest critic. You know, and uh, anyways, so I think. You know, I was the kid that always came home with the dirtiest jersey, you know, catching the ball in the outfield, going for a dive, trying to rob a home run. It's all about timing. I'd say, like, as I'm coming, I, I was more of an infielder, like a middle infielder, shorter second. And if you can imagine, you sort of you sort of need to play the odds in baseball a little bit, right? So you can see the pitch that's coming. Uh, you see your pitchers wind up, and you know when the contact is coming from the guy who's swinging the bat, if he's going to hit the ball. So you sort of need to, like, time your set you want to be on the ground sort of moving forward and setting and being on the ground ready to move right or left based on where the ball is going to go uh if it's a right-handed batter and he's throwing an off-speed pitch maybe if i'm playing shortstop i want to move a little bit in the hole and like reposition myself and and then obviously the little hand-eye coordination thing so i think like for as it from a timing perspective and an ability to react right and left um I think that baseball was huge for me, for sure. That's just fascinating to me. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. I always say, yeah, I always say that I think, I think some like baseball outfielders would be very, very good goalkeepers because you see the catches they make in the outfield, right? They're not afraid to throw their body around. They're not afraid to dive and slide. Their their timing, their jump on the ball, their read is all really good. So. I always say, I think that would be the closest translation for sport. Oh, that's good stuff. Um, so you happen to be the second guest I've had this year on the show who's an alum of Fairfield University. I had the women of soccer girl problems mm. came on the show in January, yeah. and they've built a, a really interesting niche for themselves in the soccer oh, totally. community. First off, have you come across them at all as a Fairfield alum? And second, how did you end up at Fairfield? Yeah, so I, I actually was at Fairfield at the same time as them. So I I know them quite well. I, I was on their podcast, funny enough. Nice. Uh, I, think it, I think it was in January, maybe February, beginning of this year, regardless, you know. Uh, they're really, really great, uh, great girls. And, and like you said, they've built such a cool little niche and, and they're doing great. So, uh, yeah, I, I, so I came across them at Fairfield and, and Fairfield is really, as you probably read in the article, my, my only D1 or my only college, solid college offer. Wow. Um, it was a school that I was, it, it kind of lined up with my academic level at the time. And uh, it was a school I had already applied to and gotten in. And luckily my, my goalkeeper coach at Fairfield, you know, he was at a tournament that I happened to be playing at. And so he wasn't really going to go out of his way to see me, but because we happened to be at the same tournament, you know, he, uh, he wanted to, he, he was like, all right, yeah, sure. I'll come. He watched me play one half. And he was like, he, he always tells, you, he's like, I don't know what it was. I just, he's like, I just saw something in you, you know, and we're huh. still very close to this day. Um, it's like, I just saw something in you. And then they brought me to a, like a one day ID clinic, my senior year of, of high school in mm -hmm. February in the winter time. And I, I played really well at the ID clinic. And a few days later, I had the call offering me a spot on the team. I mean, it's so incredible to me to like see you now. You're the starting goalkeeper for the U.S. men's national team at the Gold Cup. You're doing great in MLS. Um, and yet time and again, you were sort of passed over or not recruited or you know, not drafted uh, by an MLS team. What exactly do you think people were missing on you? And then how did you show them? 
Yeah, I think for me, it's always been the fact that, oh, he doesn't have any experience. That was always kind of the thing that was like dangled in front of me. It's like, well, how am I going to how am I going to get that experience if you won't give me a chance, you know? And and so I knew when I got opportunities that from a very from a young age that, OK, this is this is go time. This is the time to sort of to, to take another step forward. You know, they've always sort of been these clearly defined moments in my life, not just sort of like, oh, you know, yeah, we're going to throw you in here and we'll see how you do. It's like, uh, like once I got on there, it was like, okay, it's, I don't have really a margin for error. So when I go in, I need to state my case. I need to show these people, you know, why they should sign me or why they should give me more playing time or whatever it is, you know? And I've always sort of been in the camp of like, yeah, those statistics are great, but um, to the eye test or like, you know, seeing it live, I feel like, I feel like it's always benefited me in a lot of ways rather than just being like watching a film or watching every touch he took during a game or, or those type of things, you know, if you came and watched a game and, and were sort of there present, um, it's always voted better for me. Yeah. That's interesting. I, I, I guess I'm also just wondering like what you, you get to the revolution, what would you consider your big break with the revolution? I, I know you played on loan a fair amount with Richmond. Yeah. Like what was your kind of big moment? I'd say like the firing of Jay Heaps and the hiring of, of Friedel, unfortunately, you know, it was, it was a tricky time for the club. And um, I think just getting a coach that didn't have an ego, he didn't have his own players there. He didn't have, he didn't see me as, he didn't see me as the goalkeeper who needs a lot of work from Fairfield that, you know, we need to, he needs to learn how to do this, this, and this before we can even consider it. He just came and he saw me play and he was like, and, and he felt confident enough that I was good, good enough to play in MLS. Friedel was a former goalkeeper, obviously at a very high level. Bruce Arena was a former goalkeeper. Uh, I think he got one cap back in the early seventies with yeah, the national team. He did it. After I got my first cap, he said, now, now, uh, now we're even. And I haven't, <laughs> I haven't texted him yet, but I should say now, now I've doubled your total caps. <laughs> you should, I think you should. <laughs> I should. Yeah. He would like that. Do you think it helps maybe that to have a head coach at club level, who's a former goalkeeper that maybe they might be able to have seen some stuff that someone who was a head coach who wasn't a former goalkeeper might not see? Yeah, potentially, potentially. All that being said, you know, like I, I talked about Friedel not having an ego to, 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 to play me to begin with, you know. Um, but the best thing he ever did for me was bring in my goalkeeper coach uh, at New England, Kevin Hitchcock. Because I had never been, I've never had a goalkeeper coach that coached and played at a high level until I got uh, Kevin. And Kevin was brad's goalkeeper coach when he was at blackburn okay and uh so he hired kevin and then was was fired like two days later basically and bruce was like all right like yeah you can still come sort of like on this trial basis and Mm -hmm. the fit was the fit was perfect you know but just like the guidance and leadership that he's given me um not like from a goalkeeping perspective but on the mental things and the personal side of life and, and all that. This is a guy who's pushing 60 years old and, and you can quote that. Um, but he, <laughs> he, uh, he, he's just really been such a, a huge resource for me and helped me build my confidence uh, back because I had a really rough end to 2018 and beginning to 2019. Okay. You know, it's, it's interesting. You're because of your story, 
you know, you're 27 years old, you know, goalkeepers um, can play typically longer at a high level than others. They sometimes take longer to mature. But even among goalkeepers, am I wrong in wondering if like you're still improving at a rate that is greater than most 27-year-old professional goalkeepers? Is that a weird way of looking at it? I don't think so. I would hope so, to be honest. I would hope so. That That's that's something I always aim and strive for. Like I, I don't, I don't feel accomplished, right? Like I don't, I don't sit here and think as I'm looking back on my career that I've accomplished what I, I don't, I don't know what it is about me, but I've never felt like, Oh yeah. Like that was a great accomplishment. It's always kind of like, okay, how can I analyze this and get a little bit better? How can I get to the next level? How can I get to the next step and uh, the next, the next, the next. And that's always how I've been wired. And I don't know where that comes from. Maybe it comes from the fact that my parents were my harshest critics. You know, they're my best friends, but they were definitely my harshest critics. Same with my older sisters and my cousins. You know, I was the youngest of a crop of cousins, you know, that were all older, all athletes, you know. So mm-hmm. maybe it was always, even if I won one basketball game and against my sister, you know, she would say, okay, check up, let's go again. And then she would beat me. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then it was like, whatever I did didn't even matter. We got a couple more questions here with Matt Turner. Really appreciate you taking this much time. Uh, Zach Steffen and Ethan Horvath have been the top two keepers for the U.S. men's national team recently. They were in for Nations League, but they have not been playing full time for their clubs. That could change potentially, but maybe not. Do you think you have a legit shot at the number one spot overall for the U.S. before long, like for World Cup qualifying? I mean, I would hope so. I would hope everyone gets a fair chance, but I don't really see that Zach or or Ethan have done any wrong in terms of their national team play. You know, they've done really well every time they put on this shirt. You know, they're they're, uh, they've performed well and they've performed well, you know, over the test of time, you know, for the past few years for the national team. So um, I understand that for me, you know, sort of coming in late, you know, right before World Cup qualifying, uh, um, I just want to show that I, while I'm here, I'm still improving and I'm getting better and better and I'm going to push those guys. And, you know, if I get a couple World Cup qualifying games, you know, that's the end goal. That would be amazing. But the competition's healthy. It's glad. It's good. It's good stuff. You know, it's exciting times, right? We're all similar age, maybe the same age. And, uh, and I feel like us hasn't had that in a while. and, And it's always been known for, um, producing top goalkeepers. Yeah, definitely. I, I see also you have a Lithuanian passport, or at least uh, I'd seen that written. Is that accurate? And no, what's that's the sto- accurate. Okay, what's the story behind that? And since Lithuania is a member of the European Union, how much could that help you potentially with a move to Europe at some point? So I, my grandfather who's now passed away on my dad's side, uh, um, he, he was... But, you know, it was tough. He couldn't really live on his own anymore. And when my dad and I were, you know, cleaning out all of his old stuff, we found this paperwork of my great-grandmother's emigration papers from Lithuania. We didn't even know that we were Lithuanians to begin with um, <laughs> because um, my, dad's, my dad's side of the family is Jewish, right? So this oh. was around the time of World War II. And oh, wow. so they, when they left the country, they sort of came to America and, and reinvented themselves, changed their last name. Uh, I used to actually be Turnovsky. They changed it to Turner uh, when they got to Ellis Island and all that. So, yeah. So funny enough, like all that, I found out all this stuff 
And uh, it, it was amazing. It was kind of like this amazing journey to go through with my dad. But the reason I began the process in the first place was because I wasn't getting any interest from MLS clubs. So I was like, you know what, dad, we should, we should start this and we should, you know, just see, we thought maybe it would take six months, you know? So that way, when I graduated college, it would be, I could just go knock on some doors over in Europe, but it, 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 it took, it took the better part of four years. Wow. And, um, it wasn't until after I signed my first new contract with the Revs. So back in 2019, a month later, I got my passport. So it, 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 the timing was kind of kind of stung because I could have used it as leverage if I had it, in a, you know, if I waited another month because right. my contract was running out. Um, but no, it was great and, and it's it's accurate. I still need to I still need to go to Lithuania and check it out. And and that was just a really fun, like I said, journey to to go through with my my dad and to sort of study our heritage a little bit. Could it potentially help with uh, if you needed a work permit in the EU? Hundred percent, yeah. Hundred yeah. percent. Any EU country, um, it, it would it would work uh, to to help me to help me get a work permit, and definitely something that's on my radar. Yeah, I mean, like, how do you feel about the the possibility of going to Europe? And and as you get toward your late twenties, is that something where you feel like the clock's ticking at all? For sure. Yeah, I'm, I, and I'm highly motivated to make that happen. But the, here's the thing with with all that, you know, all that being said, I'm in a great situation with my club right now. I'm playing well and I'm, uh, you know, and I'm getting called into the national team and and throwing in an unknown, you know, now where you have three goalkeepers in the pool that aren't, you know, starting at their club or their club situations ambiguous or whatever the whatever the right terminology is for all that. So um, I need to be cautious, you know, you can't just force these things to happen. And and I can't say, you know what, Bruce, I'm, I'm ready to go right now. I need you to sell me to the best offer, the best available offer, which I feel like he would, you know, we have a very good relationship and I don't think he would be willing to sell me right now, you know, but I think, you know, he's a reasonable guy and, uh, and, and our relationship is strong and same with my relationship with the craft group. So um, I think that they would have the best interest of my long-term career in their minds as well. You know, but they also are are here ready to win a championship in MLS. And and I would love to be a part of that as well. So it's a balance. It's a balance of a lot of things for sure. It's on my radar. It's something I'm highly motivated to to make happen, but also understanding that you can't force these things to happen, right? I feel like bad things happen when you for when you force it. So keep focusing on playing well here with the national team playing well with the club and, and let the chips fall where they may. I always feel like I have to ask who has the best Bruce arena voice impression on the new England revolution. And do you do one yourself? <laughs> I do not do one myself. Um, you could quote that for sure. Uh, and I'm not going to go with a, with a uh, revolution player. I'm going to go with the Paul Areola. Oh, really? Yep. <laughs> uh, Paul Areola. Good impression. Yeah. Uh, I, I, have a, I have a half decent one. It's not great. Yeah, it needs, no, it no, needs no, a little pretty, work. That's solid. That's solid. <laughs> so I guess just to wrap up, I, be, I mean, you have so much that is in front of you. And it, it's exciting to talk to you at this point in your career when you see all the things that are happening for you. When you look at your career, and I know you've got so much going on in the, the now, like, but like, if you're looking out a couple of years, what, do you, what are your goals in this sport, man? Yeah, that, that's tough. I, I mean, my, my strength has come from being more focused on the now, if I'm completely honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's been times in my career where I've looked far 
way too far down the line and I found myself in trouble, you know, and, and because I, I'm a, I'm a list guy, I'm a goals. I write them out. And, um, you know, I made one for my four years of college, one for my first four years as a professional, right? Like my first contract. And since then I've turned my shift, my focus to be more on like short to midterm, but, you know, candidly, my goals are to play, you know, win the gold cup. That's number one, you know, that's on the here and now, um, you know, challenge for goalkeeper of the year, challenge for a spot in MLS cup playoffs and hopefully uh, the CONCACAF champions league. That's a, that's a huge goal of mine. And then to play in Europe. I mean, those are like some of the things that are, are on my radar for, for the, the near to mid future. And I think my the country that I'm, I've always been, uh, I've always loved. I played college soccer with like a dozen guys from from England, and I would love to to go play in the Premier League, uh, high level in the Championship. Um, but like I said, you know, you can't force these things to happen. So whatever wherever the offers come from, or what if they even come, uh, I'm gonna he- listen and hear out everything and and do what's best for me and my girlfriend and and my family back in Jersey. Matt Turner is a goalkeeper for the New England Revolution and the U.S. Men's National Team. Playing in the Gold Cup, the U.S.'s second game comes against Martinique tonight, Thursday at 10 p.m. Eastern on FS1, Unimas, and Thudeyene. Matt, congrats on all of it. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Yeah, uh, thank you. It was a nice chat. Thanks for listening to Football with Grant Wall. I'd like to thank Matt Turner as well as producer Chris Whittingham. If you like the podcast, you could do me a huge favor and hit that subscribe button and provide a rating and a review. I'm back soon with another interview of someone from the soccer world. Be safe, everyone. See you next time.